Hello, my name is Sam Martin and I'm an animator at Tape Music and Film. Due to these crazy times, I've moved the animation club online. I've been doing some live Q&As with animation professionals. I've also decided to trim these down and turn them into podcasts. Podcast number two is taken from the live Q&A with Linda McCarthy. Linda is a stop-motion animator for her studio, Tiny Elephants. Hello, everyone. Um, So we're joined today with Linda McCarthy. Hello there. I'm uh, Linda McCarthy, and I'm a stop-motion animator. uh, And I did a degree later on in life at uh, in 2004 until 2007 but uh, before that I did puppetry uh, marionette puppetry and made puppets and I did ceramics um, so when I started uh, to make films and I was trying to I was trying to create a style that was my own uh, I incorporated the ceramics and uh, the puppetry really into the the whole experience. I have a little studio at home um, and I can in theory work whenever I want but the problem being at home is there's always something else to do Um, but it's my passion and I love it. How did you come about Small Birds Singing? How did that start the series those? Uh, well, we had to come up with an idea for our final film at college, um, and I'm very fortunate to have a, a very artistic cousin, Stephen Appleby, who's been doing cartoons for cartoon strips um, and writing amusing books for years and years. Um, he he had a strip in the Guardian called Loomis for a long time. But before that, he had he wrote a strip called Small Birds Singing. And there was something, I think it was in, in the Times magazine for about uh, how many years? Gosh, I've forgotten. That was at least sort of four or five years. You know, he did an awful lot of strips. And it was one of my favourites because he's the quirky, bizarre characters. So I decided to make a film of that I asked if would he mind and he was delighted um so I've I've actually got one of the strips here two of the strips that are the basis for the current film now can we see that uh oh yes is that in focus it is yeah so this was one now this is all about Christmas Hmm. and um what happens if the decorations aren't all taken down and unfortunately there's a tiny bit of holly left and it becomes a disaster <laughs> the uh, thunder and lightning and etc so that was one one of them and then i incorporated another bit which was about a giant so this one is there's a giant asleep in the meadow uh, called Bob Bobbin, and that's he's got huge legs, um, and in fact uh, he's eaten his parents out of house and home, so they have to live in his ears. Uh, it just sort of sort of completely daft. Wow, it's, it, they are 
crazy stories. <laughs> so the first video is is a is a bunch of them put together again. Is it the small birds singing? Was that a few different ones put together? Uh, the first one was really to set the scene and introduce the characters, uh, and I thought of. I ended up uh, making the last strip, which was the cutting of the hedge, mm. uh, dictated the whole film really. And it, so the cutting of it, um, it separated all the little stories up, which worked quite well. Mm. Um, and I filmed that uh, seven minute film, well, six and a half, uh, in eight weeks at college. Um, mm. No, it's taken me four years to do this one. <laughs> uh, there's a lesson to be learned because, you know, at that point I was making it uh, constantly and working every hour there was. Um, and I had to film it in that time to get it finished in time for graduation. Uh, but that film turned out to be very successful. Mm. And it just goes to prove. Now I look at it, I, I cringe because the animation isn't very good the lighting isn't good you know but it it touched a spot and it got into very many animation festivals including Annecy which is one of the biggest in the world if not the biggest in the student film competition and um, none of the rest even though they're much better produced have um, done quite as well as that one. Rianne uh, Lohman a uh, fellow animator She's asking what sort of scale were you working with, with uh, small birds singing and how big the puppets were? Oh, well, I happen to have some puppets right beside me here. Um, this is one of the, this is Mrs. Bobbin. Now we have to get it okay. this way. There we go. About sort of between 10 and 12 inches. She's quite tall. Yeah. And um, now, um, now the trick with her, because she's got wire wool hair, um, that comes off, the hair comes out. It's on a cork. Oh, I see. So I can change it when I change the heads because I make the make lots of heads with a different expression on each. Mm. And um, I can change the hair and the hair looks the same. Ah, that's amazing. So I've got um, a box of heads here. So they're all made of ceramics. And uh, there's a... That's an F, fun, <laughs> the two front teeth, a nice smiley face, looking to one side. Uh, oh, this is her, she's a knitter in this film, Mrs. Bob, and she knits constantly, and that's her knitting, because she, she's got to knit really, really fast. Do you do eyelids for blinking? No, I, I what I do for blinking is I've got one face that has shut eyes. Oh, okay. And I used to chain, use the head, but the problem with that was when you change the head and it doesn't line up, there's a big sort of blink, you know, and it didn't work. So for subtle blinking, I put them in afterwards. I yeah. take a shot of the, of the head at the end of the film, at the end of the shot, I mm. take one shot of the head with the closed eyes and then I Photoshop the eyes in and that seems to work pretty well. I do have a slight issue though with the replacement because you have to animate in a certain way. Um, oh. So when they're talking, they've got to move into the next syllable. Okay. Or else it jars and with animation with 
with stop motion. You've got to move smoothly. Tiny oh. Elephants is the name of the company. Yeah. So that... it, it, well, we had to think of a name mm. and, um, because the tiny elephants are very important in the film. Mm. They yeah. came from one of his Stevens cartoon strips, which was, uh, um, you can see in the first film if you've shown it. Yeah. And I do have a tiny elephant here. So were, were they replacements as well or are they... They, no, they actually move. They're, they've got a little armature inside, very simple. So the head, the trunk moves. The leg, they tend to gallop sort of back and forward because that's the best movement they can do. The coffin is very difficult because there's nothing to, to hold them down. There's no, no metal feet to, for magnets. So I have to replace them each time. Mm. Onion skin and then... Uh, check that they're in the right spot do you make the clothes for the characters yourself as well i do yes i started off making them from foam latex the first film is all foam latex the small bird singing one as is the second one but um the foam latex is quite a difficult process and i've now discovered that uh Making the clothes is quite good fun, and I can dress them in different clothes, and I can change the characters with the clothes. So I can have uh, a puppet that can do different, be a different person with a different head. So, yeah. what would be what would be your best inspiration? So whether it's people, animations, or films, or anything that inspired um, you. Well, I suppose in the first place, I was inspired by Steve's cartoons um i like doing comedy uh, there's a lot of um films out there that make you a little bit depressed um, mm. people like doing dark films it's fun to do dark i did one the the, the mother's song that was a bit dark but um so inspirations well the people um that that make like tim burton all those sort of type of people i was very inspired by well all the wallace and gromit films i think music is very inspiring too if you really like a piece of music you can it can almost create images in your head can't it yeah. rianne was sort of talking about scale with puppets and things yeah um, that you mentioned before you wanted to talk a little bit about perspective and how you've created yeah. some of that well, I, I have um a vase which um whoops <laughs> sculpture for the sculpture garden now this is really quite small and then a bigger one i have lots of plinths the same so if i put those like that behind they look really small really big and it, quite often if you're making a film it's good to have something really big in the corner. Mm. And if you have it, oh, I, I mean, you can do a lot of this in camera, you know, with different lenses, but if you've got something there and then you're, you're creating a depth, aren't you already? Yeah. It's like a forced perspective. Yeah, yeah. So I have used that um, quite a lot as a, as a way of like a technique. A friend, um, Joe Dembinski, who does my lighting for me, 
And Joe started off, his first job was making the sets for Wind in the Willows. Uh, that was quite quite a few years ago. And then he went on to do camera and um, cinematography. Um, and then he moved and set up, uh, he and some colleagues set up Hot Animation. Um, and then he retired a bit later on and kind of missed the uh, <laughs> missed animation, but he, I got to know him at college and he came and helped me set up my studio and it's very good at coming and doing my lighting. So he's also a mentor for me to tell me how, you know, to, that, that things are going well or that things are going badly. I always get the truth, which is helpful. Sometimes it's hard to take criticism, but it's good to have criticism. There's no point everybody saying, yeah, yeah, that's good, when it's not. Mm. Uh, Joe's very good about saying, I'll send him a, a clip and he'll say, mm, I don't think it's quite good enough. Mm. <laughs> and you know yourself, don't you? Yeah. And when I'm animating a shot, quite often I'll do it once or twice or three times. Mm -hmm. And invariably, every time I do the shot, it gets better. So at least I don't have a deadline, so I'm able to do that, which is one of the reasons that this last film has been going on for four years. Mm. So I keep trying to make it better. I do do storyboards. There we go. And I'm not very good at drawing them, so I tend to cut out the shot from Stephen's strip. Uh -huh. I scan it and cut it out. And then when I get round to filming it, I work it out as I'm going along. Yeah. Sometimes it, 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 it's obvious what I'm going to do, but sometimes I have to try it. I set everything up on the stage, on the set, and I can see if it's working or not. Mm. So It's a good it, idea scanning things in and cutting them out for creating the storyboards. Yeah. Because some it's quite hard to draw in perspective and stuff. You know, the people that are that do it, storyboard artists, are very talented, mm. and they're almost like the directors because they're seeing how the scene will look. So, yeah. So, um, coming back to film festivals, then, how what would you what advice would you give to someone that wants to get their work into a film festival, for example? Well, yes, um, don't aim too high, but if you've got a really good film, then um, try, keep trying. Uh, it's very demoralizing because I've got lots and lots of refusals mm. and it's quite disappointing when that happens. Sometimes you just think, oh, what's the point? But um if you can get it in and you can get to see it, then it's fantastic, wonderful experience. Um, my small bird singing has done a lot better in England. Uh, it did quite well in Australia, um, but it was, there wasn't, never got into, never got into German festival or, well, it got into Annecy that once, mm. but not since. No. Um, so 
you just have to persevere. Um, there are websites um, there's that, um, that, that tell you what festivals are coming up all year round. Um, and you can sort of, most of them are free in this country, though sometimes you have to pay something, 15 pounds or something for your entry, which is double blow because if you've paid 15 pounds, you've entered it and then it's refused. You kind of feel you've lost that money, but it's, it's a good discipline. You have to produce images. You have to produce certain films, your, your film with a certain codec. And uh, nowadays you, you just send a link to many of them. Um, in the early days, which wasn't that many years ago, we had to get DigiBetas printed. And that was an extra expense. Mm -hmm. Look at the sort of films that are at a festival. Yeah. And if yours doesn't fit, then there's no point sending it. Yeah. I have to say that they, I have been told by festival um, directors that they don't get enough comedies. Yeah. They love comedies and they don't get enough children's films, films for children. Wilfred is asking how big the set was. How big were the sets that you used? Well, um, I have a, a table which has a metal top and that is a metre and a half by a metre, I think. Mm. So, but then, of course, I've got um, back bits where the hills are. A giant sleeping there who's actually only six inches long and we make him look like a giant because we've got tiny trees and things. So um, that probably is about a metre wide, so three feet in width. But it goes back quite a long way yeah. because I've got trestles, you know, those sort of trestles which I, woodworkers use. Mm put the wood on they you can make them different heights and then you can put a board on top and make your hills make your hills out of things like wire and plaster paris and foam or all sorts of things that animators like and i imagine if you were to do close up to the giant would um you'd make a separate giant or sections of the giant i imagine for them to be i would indeed i have a giant head it's only actually half a head because you only see the other thing about stop motion is you needn't make a whole puppet if you've only got half of them showing. So you can save yourself a lot of time. I think I have I wanted to make a Santa Claus for the start of this, but um, I only needed his feet in it. So I made some little leather shoes, sewed them onto the onto the trousers and somebody else wore the trousers going up the steps we just wanted to see santa lee going yeah. up the steps out out of the set so so that was i didn't make need to make a whole new puppet for that this is mr bobbin oh. and he's he's made just of wire he's got a wire skeleton he's the giant's dad my grandson was very scared of this this puppet. He didn't like his face. He thought he looked like a skeleton. I've got the first puppet I made at college, which is a Mr. Froggy. <laughs> and he, um, I cut him in half to show some students what he was like in 
inside. Mm. So you can see the half that's got clothes on. And there we go up. And the KNS and the wire, twisted wire, and a wee bit of steel on the bottom so that he works with magnets. And he's got just a plasticine head. And then he was a, he was the circus uh, ringmaster. Yeah. So. Riam had a question: Is if you've used green screen at all with your um, with any of your animations? If you've used any green screen for backgrounds or anything? Um, I don't. I haven't as such used green screen, but I have um, used com done compositing. Mm. So, for example, at the end of this film, I've got the Santa hat flap. I'm telling you all my secrets. Santa oh. hat flying around the credits. Oh. So I filmed the hat in situ against the um, blue sky yeah. uh, in lots of positions, and then I took it into Photoshop and cut it out, and popped it into After Effects and have it floating around the way I want it. Did you do a similar thing then with Pipkin? The, uh, yes, yes, there was quite a lot of, um, of, of that going on. But it, Pipkin, was, it was difficult. When you're using a puppet made of wool, mm. got a hairy edge. It's very hard to cut that out <laughs> in yeah. Photoshop without making a straight edge. I see. So, yeah. uh, so the close-ups, I tried to just do it on rigs mm. um, in front of the camera. But um, for the leaves, I did cut those out, and I tried to make the edges of the leaves sort of a little bit frayed, like the wool. Were they needle-felted then, Pitkin, or was it a different type of...? Yes, um, the uh, artist that... Uh, that, that did the song mm. um she was also a felt maker um and she approached me because she wanted to make a film she'd got a grant to do so um she was going to teach she was very good at filling out the application she's and uh so she approached me uh to see if i would make it with her she hadn't done a lot of she'd had a bit of a go but wanted to learn the art so that she could pass on her skills and um, so we made that over the over a six month period and uh, she learned some new skills and I learned some new skills with the felt making so she did the did the puppets and mm -hmm. um, and the felting at the start that was sort of like she felt it a wee bit, the titles at the beginning, she felt it a little bit and then took a picture and that was on a, a rostrum with the camera pointing down. And then once that was all done, I got the, uh, she made some leaves for me and I composited them in and, and they kind of flew around it to give the idea of autumn. It's a lovely technique. I mean, the, the felt... There's some great films out there mm. that they, they're felt films. They're um, they're they're quite popular, and it's a way to get over. You know, if you're trying to think, how do I make the arms so that they can bend? How do I make legs that can bend? If you've got felt, then that's one option for covering them, covering the wire. We've talked about 
perspective and things, what about the sort of rigs that you've used or your animations for the camera? I've got um, one thing that I've got which has been invaluable is like a little expanding, uh, what you call it, you, you wind it up, hmm. almost like a car jack, only a small okay. piece of, and that's metal, and that's great for sort of raising the puppet a bit at a time. Oh, you can, I got that online somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you have to get a metal one, obviously, if you want to use magnets. They do make lots in plastic as well. Um, and the other thing that's a cheap way of, is a helping hand. I guess you know about yes sort of things. They're about four ninety nine in Wilco's. But um, apart from that, I've got some Climpex, which is um, sort of professional photography sort of it's got connections and stuff mm. uh, um but i know that you can get um a bit of a rig from uh, animation toolkit they sell one um those i think it's about 29 pounds and that works with a magnet but then you need a point of contact on the puppet yeah so um you know, you just do it, you just work out a way. And that's one of the fun things is I want this to happen. How can I do it? And whatever you do, if it works, it's okay. Uh, I use fishing line. Uh, I use um, uh, bits of wire. I have some wire here, which you can get. This is um, from the sort of called Wires UK or something. And it's cotton covered very thin but it's it's actually copper coated cotton copper coated wire and you can get various thickness now the beauty of this is you can paint it so using acrylics i can paint that the same color as my sky yeah and i can um then suspend pipkin was made from this sort of a wire because she was able to glue the wool onto it because of the fabric on it mm -hmm. So I think it's called Wires UK, um, yeah. and it's not hugely. I mean, that size would be about four pounds. I think it wasn't hugely expensive. If you look at Pipkin, yeah, um, the, the bit where the um, where the harp was being played, mm. I had about two helping hands in there using each each one each of the clips was on one of the strings to try and pull them to make it look like that he was plucking it. Well, I started off at college before I had a family and I was uh, quite young then and made throneware um, with sprayed color designs. And I sold some in Liverpool at the Blue Coat Gallery. I did some Christmas wear as well. And then, and then I changed to sculptural and did sort of large head pieces. Um, and because throneware, the trouble is you, you make it and then you put it in a box and send it off to a gallery and that's kind of it. It's, mm. it's not very rewarding. Um, whereas when I discovered animation, it was like I was bringing the clay to life. Uh, so although I enjoy the process of throwing, etc., I get to do that. I get to do all of that in my films. I don't make money out of it, but... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's something you enjoy, isn't it? 
It's something that keeps me drawing, yes, I love it, yeah. So I'll, I'll just point out, um, so the little heads that you were saying, the replacement heads, so they're all, your you make those out of ceramics. I make those from ceramics and I have some molds, which I haven't got one here with me, so I'm afraid, but um, one of the skills I learned as a potter was to make, use plaster molds. Okay. So I've, I've got uh, big bags of clay. I can make a, a wall easily. I think in the puppet making books, they suggest Lego and stuff for, yeah. for making your molds, but I just use a, uh, some some of my clay and uh, a bit of actually my make molds very quickly I use a bit of perspex in a circle okay. uh, coiled round the, the whatever I'm trying to mold and I um, join it together with a bit of masking tape and then put clay round so it doesn't leak and I make uh, a mold for each head well for each character's head and once I've got the mold I want, I can then churn them out. And then I adapt the mouth once I've got it out of the mold. And once the head is, it's, um, once it's dried, it goes in the kiln. And it's fired to biscuit temperature, which is a thousand. Mm -hmm. Then I get an iron oxide and paint that on all over it and then sponge it off. And where I haven't sponged it off, you can see the dark shapes around his eyes and in his nostril and in his it's mouth. So effective. It gives that sort of Tim Burton-y look, doesn't yeah. it? Only it's just made in a different way. And he's had his hair painted on, mm. his hair's painted on with an underglaze color. So it goes in the kiln, it won't come off. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice, because obviously if I paint it with acrylic, you can get a bit of a sheen. Yeah. yeah so unless you put matte varnish on top, whereas the, this is all completely matte, so there's no reflections. Because the clay, each one is, the, the texture of it is different. Yeah. You get this boiling of the heads when they're, and, and that's sort of like almost, I think of living skin, so yeah. I don't mind the boiling, but it has to kind of flow. Yeah, you have, to, you have to. The spell has can't be broken. <laughs> well, I'm just looking at a little puppet here that I've made for for a forthcoming film, maybe. Oh, okay. Um, she's a little Greek girl, and I, it's a, she's a toy, so she wanted to be simple. So mm. I've used some wire for in her hair, just to give the effect. And, and she's got, uh, just to make a simple hand, she's got some um, embroidery thread wound round and round and round and then around the wire in her fingers. And that's a, quite a traditional way of doing hands, you know, before there was such a thing as silicone. Mm. You want, look at the very, very early Cosgrove Hall. There's some that have hands like that that have wool. Well, I suppose also the clang, the new clangers, they have woolen wool yeah. for their fingers. Hands are a difficult feature. They are, yes. It's, you it's... have to decide whether to make a FIMO hand, which just is stationary, mm. or you have to decide whether you want fingers. Um, I make my hands out of silicone. 
So there's a piece of K and S, and they're they're made in a mold using silicone, and that's quite laborious. And the hands don't last; they they you you break the ends of the fingers because because with silicone you have to grab things. You can't use um, blue tack or anything; it doesn't stick. So they have to physically hold on to something. So you they break, the, the fingertips break, uh, they break on the where they're joined. But that's a process that you can learn if you want to. Rianne's asking what your favorite part of doing animation is. Oh, that's a difficult one. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think maybe. Uh, when I've finished animating, animating, I do love animating because they come to life. Mm. But then I love seeing editing it together and, and watching the thing unfold. Well, I hope you all enjoy your animation because it's a very, it's very inspiring and enjoyable and frustrating at times. But you're like a magician. That's the thing. You bring things to life.